0: Hey, welcome to Tether, where we have conversations about Christ, community, and culture, and how they connect together. I'm Bill Falk, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Danielle in Sunshine, and we are so excited about our show today. We have got a question for you. How many times have you actually tried to change but failed? You know, maybe right now in your life, you're, you're trying to change. Maybe it's something that's like a bad habit you're trying to get rid of, or it's maybe something you're a good habit you're trying to start. But if you're like me, sometimes it can be hard to change. Well, you are in luck today because we have a very special guest with us today who will encourage and motivate you uh, to be able to make those positive changes in your life. We have with us Sonny McClamrock, owner of Snap Fitness and T3 Cross Training here in Missouri City off of Highway 6. And he's going to share with us his story. He's going to share how his faith impacts his approach to fitness. And he's going to give us some common mistakes people make when trying to make changes in their life. Be sure to listen to the end of the show as Sonny is gonna share some great health and fitness advice and offer a special promotion at his gym. So we wanna welcome Sonny to the show, hello. Howdy, howdy. Great to have you with us here at Tethered. So you know, we, all, we believe that everyone has a story and everyone, everyone's story matters. So you weren't always a gym owner, no. weren't always a trainer. Nope. So tell us your story a little bit,
1: your journey. So how did you get to where you are today? From the bottom up, from the deep, <laughs> deep bottom where there was no light. Didn't play sports growing up. Uh, matter of fact, I was born with a, a heart murmur. Grew up on a farm, and a lot of times in the summer, I couldn't even barely even go out and work the fields or harvest because if I got really hot, my heart would kind of palpitate and I have shortness of breath and or just pass out. And every couple of years, I have to go to the hospital and get a bunch of EKGs done and do all sorts of things. So my mom was very protective. Uh, grew up mostly without a dad. He caught, he came to see us a few times a year, and played in the band because uh, I wanted to do something. And I wasn't the smartest kid in school, so I ended up playing the trombone and piano. And even then, in the marching band, I would get overheated and have to take breaks. And uh, it was kind of embarrassing. I was a teeny tiny little kid. I actually graduated high school at 103 pounds. Wow. Wow. And the only reason I remember that is because I was also trying to get into the Marine Corps. And they had a minimum weight standard that I couldn't meet. And so um, that's why that 103 always kind of sticks with me. But uh, I felt... From a very young age, for whatever reason, I wanted to be a policeman, and I was just maybe always fascinated with law enforcement and authority, and so I tried to go into the service and they wouldn't let me in for physical reasons, so decided to go to school and I went to Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri, and got a degree in criminal justice and biblical studies. I've known uh, Christ since I was little. Um, I gave my heart to him when I was six years old based off my mom's testimony um, and her broken relationship with my dad. And I saw that brokenness lived out. And so um, I wanted some of the uh, surrenderedness that she had in her life. Um, So I've served him since I was little. I have ran from him since I was little. I've run to him since I was little. Um, But I knew that law enforcement for me was going to be my mission, my calling. Um, I wanted to be able to serve people, and I couldn't think of a better way. Everybody's got my phone number, right? Everybody call 911. They, they can get a hold of me. So I thought this was going to be a great ministering opportunity, the, the hurt, the broken, the victims. So this was going to give me that platform, and I'd be able to provide, of course, you know, a living for my family. Um, Now, was there some arrogance and some narcissism uh, in there? Yeah. Uh, There is something about the the badge and then you have the gun and the gun gives you the power to Mm. do the badge. Um, But I would like to think that over the 15, 16 years I was in law enforcement, I never actually took advantage of that, meaning I never took somebody's constitutional rights away from them. I might have pushed some people around and said a few different names, and uh, but I always wore Christ in front of my badge, and so it was always from a humbled perspective that I was given the privilege to do what I did, but there were some times that, you know, I, I might drive to work going a little too fast, not wearing my seatbelt, knowing I'm not going to probably get in any trouble, but uh, in short, as far as my fitness, I was just kind of in college, I became just a gym rat. I knew what biceps were and chest were because that's what the girls were looking at. So that's what, that's what I did. I didn't even know I had a back. I didn't even know what a back was. I didn't even know what hamstrings were, you know, like if I couldn't see it in front of the mirror, I didn't work it. So I ended up working my chest and my arms so much that I actually started curving forward my shoulders started pulling forward from just all the chest exercises and no back that I did. And my came home one year from college and my mom actually asked me what was wrong with my back. And I didn't really, it was like, I don't know what's wrong with it. It's just, I'm just, I didn't even know I was leaning forward, but in short, I, I never hired anybody, never got any help. It was just all about me. I just, you know, wanted to impress. And then, uh, you know, you got in the uniform. I'm a, I'm a, smaller guy, I'm only 5'8", maybe 165, and so I wanted the bigger chest, the bigger arms, you know, in in law enforcement, but I wasn't healthy, and muscles don't equal fitness, and about 10 years ago, I'm losing a little track of time, I had a slightly near-death experience chasing after a suspect, and they found me in the back of a yard, almost basically unconscious, and they ended up rushing me to the hospital, and I got another EKG done, which I, I was getting. And that's when they said that you still have a heart murmur, and you just exerted yourself a little too hard. And that's why I never did anything real hard in the gym because I didn't want to pass out, you know, or embarrass myself, or hit my head on dumbbells or whatever. But this guy that I was chasing, I really wanted him, and so I went beyond um, my my normal scope of cardio um but then after that i had to basically get kind of like a fit for duty to come back even though i was way more fit than most the other police officers out there um that's when i found the word of crossfit and um crossfit's one of those all or nothing type fitness programs it's metabolic conditioning um they say you do cardio you just means you lift weights faster and harder and i started drinking the kool-aid jumped right in and uh, 18 months later, I had my first EKG. I was about 35 years old, and no heart murmur was detected. Wow. that's wow. incredible. And so uh, a lot of it was just training. I mean, we all know a heart's a muscle, but you train a baby muscle a certain way. Mm-hmm. And she just basically had me start over. And so when I got what I thought was a decent shape, I started competing, just fell in love with the sport of CrossFit, a friend of mine opened up a boot camp. I started coaching uh, at his gym. I, I went to the police department and said, we need a physical fitness test at the police department. We're one of the few departments that actually don't have one. So I got together with um, different states and different uh, military programs and rode a physical fitness program for the officers, started running officers through it. We, we came up with a boot camp and there was just this paradigm shift in my life where i just started focusing on fitness um, way more than just law enforcement and that time i was a detective and i was doing uh, crimes against children so it was uh it was very stressing um, that particular time in my life and i was also in a very dark spot in my life at that time Um, which hopefully we'll get into maybe a little later because it's it's pretty dark. So if if you like uh, dark, scary movies, you're going to want to stay tuned in. (laughs) But ultimately, it came down to several decisions leaving a career of law enforcement. I still had about seven years to go um, before retirement, and uh, the police department made some decisions not in my favor or not in the favor that I would have chose, and it's always hard to go against the flow. And when you've done something, you know, for 20, 30 years and some young punk like me comes along and, and wants to change a couple things in, in your career path, um, it doesn't always uh, work out. And so there was some resistance from the city. We had some officers to get hurt doing the test. And there was some ranking officers that just didn't want to get in shape. And so they kind of bucked me on it, and I bucked them on it and decided basically just to go and do it on my own, Uh, not in a rebellious attitude at that moment, because I thought I'll just move my boot camp very close to the police department, and then I'll just invite them to come in. Mm -hmm. So it was always strategic where I put the gym because I wanted to be close to the police departments here in Fort Bend County so we could invite them from the outside in. And so that's just a little bit of how we got started. That was a very long answer.
0: No, it was just a great story. (laughs) That's beautiful. You know, um, know, I appreciated you sharing really even about your childhood, about about growing up. And one of the things I know about your story is if you said you decided to not get bitter, but get better. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a powerful statement. Decide not to get bitter, but get better. Explain that a little bit, how that kind of when you made that decision. And, and how that be kind of maybe begin to affect how you began to see life.
1: When I was about 13 or 14, um, my parents divorced when I was 5 or 6. My dad lived in Georgia. His parents lived about an hour from my house, so we would go and visit his parents. And about 13 or 14, uh, we grew up very poor, like dirt poor, um, poverty poor, food stamps. I lived in a trailer. Um, I mean, it was just – it wasn't a trailer park, because it was just one trailer on on some land, but um, my mom owned three businesses, and we wanted more child support. My mom wanted more child support, and she kind of put us up to asking our dad to give a little bit more, because now I'm in high school, and expenses are more, and so I asked him if he would give us a little more, and he pretty much just said that this is all he could afford this is what the judge told him to pay and he didn't want he didn't want to pay anymore and i ended up telling him all right well then i don't want to see you anymore because i felt like i was worth more than 150 bucks a month and so i became very 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 bitter and um instantaneously hated him because i didn't understand why 50 75 maybe even 100 more dollars was going to break him but i understood the financial devastation my mom was going through, and there was five kids in the family at the time. Um, And so my senior year, I graduated, no dad, um, knowing that I have a dad, but couldn't see him. And then went to college, um, did reach back out to him there, so much just unforgiveness in my heart. There was a Father's Day service on Father's Day. I usually didn't attend those Sundays, and I went, and it was, of course, a very uh, anointed service. And I went down in the. It was if fathers had hurt their sons, or if sons had been hurt by their fathers. Oof. And so I went down, and I forgave him, and I reached back out to him, and it was in that deep uh, hurt that I was able to forgive him while I was still hurt. Like he didn't do anything Mm -hmm. to make it better, Yeah, you know. Um, But I understood that my father was a man and that he makes mistakes. There were things on in his life, but I have a father who's never made a mistake and he loves me in spite of me. And that just switched my, I, I was even, at that time I was upset about being poor, I was upset about not having things. I was upset about being on food stamps. I remember when I got my car, we, we paid $300 for it. It was a 1982 Ford Escort. And um, when my when my mom asked me for the first time to go grocery shopping, she handed me the Monopoly money, which is that's what I thought it was. And she said, go to the grocery store. Well, I drove 30 miles to another town because I didn't want anybody to see me shopping with Monopoly money. I wow. was a very prideful yeah. poor person. And... Just, I was bitter about so many things. I thought my dad, I associated my dad to poverty. Mm-hmm. And then my dad didn't want to see me over just a little bit more money. And so and then I thought something was wrong with me. So all of that got healed my sophomore year of school. And I can look at any situation, tell anybody, I don't care what anybody's done to you, we can turn it around. Yeah. And you can instantaneously... And when it happens to you, when God does it in a big way, then you can do it for yourself in little bitty ways. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's
2: right. right. Come on.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, relating this back
0: to fitness. You know, I know you. You talk about people want to make external changes on, on their body, but you really kind of focus on you know change needs to happen from from the inside out. You know, when pe- even externally, if people want things, but it's interesting that what you were just sharing was how you forgave your dad. And the impact of that decision, that change really impacted a lot of external, Mm. you know, and a lot of times I think we spend I know I can you spend time trying to fix the external and not realize that, you know, if if I can address some internal things that might actually change the external.
2: Yeah, because you you have to go wherever you go, Yeah, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're right with you, then it makes the external Mm -hmm. more doable. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. And I mean, with physical activity, you have like a recovery period, you know? Like you have recovery. But with spiritual work, sometimes you don't get recovery for a little while. You know, the spiritual work is like, that workout where you're like, oh my gosh, like, it's so relatable to CrossFit because I did CrossFit for a while. And I remember thinking, like, I can't do this any longer. <laughs> I can't do this any longer. I cannot lift one more medicine ball. I can't do it. But then I did it. You know, and it's that like constant, constant, like, I'm going to do it. I can do it. I can do it. But knowing on the spiritual side, that is not me doing it. You know, like my father is the one who is like continually pushing me, so it's really beautiful how you just connect everything.
0: Yeah, no, it's that's that's powerful. You know, we're talking about fitness and change, but I think that your experience as a police officer is is so unique that um, you. Know, I was thinking back through your childhood. You did that. How did that impact your ability to re- even relate to people on the police force? You know, you talked about you know, working as a detective. With kids and things like that, I mean, how did that impact the way you saw people
1: um, just in society, people that you're working with? The story that comes to my mind is so as a detective, we have to interview the bad dudes. Um, I never really got off on arresting the bad guys. I always enjoyed helping the the victims, so when I put the handcuffs on the bad guys, it wasn't like this big thrill, but meeting with the victims and helping them start over telling them you know now they can live their lives and more freedom but so we were interviewing this guy and i was like it was my case but sometimes i became emotionally involved in my cases especially when there was little children and maybe where the mom had not been as protective as she should have been over the people that she was dating And uh, when it came my time to interview this guy, he had already mentioned a little bit in an interview that he had an addiction. And so I just put two and two together, figured it was a a pornography addiction, and I went in there. I always used empathy um, as the best means because I figured that if whoever I'm talking to um, could sense that I was feeling what they were feeling... Then, because at the end of the day, it's just about the truth. Mm -hmm. It's just about the truth. Yes, I want a confession, but at the end of it, I just want to actually know what happened, you know? And so it's storytelling, and they're the narrator. And so I would, the way that I got most of the suspects to confess was just through enormous amounts of empathy. So I can't go into much detail about the case, but um, I was working a bank robbery, and right here in good old Missouri City, just down the street from here, and two FBI agents came in, and I saw them talking to my supervisor, and the next thing you know, I'm off the case, off the bank robbery, and I'm riding with these guys, and they're like, hey, we're going to go talk to this gentleman who's committed these particular crimes. We were told that you're pretty good at getting confessions, and I'm like, well, who told you that? And so I went to the house. I have maybe a two or three page file in front of me and they're like, we want you to talk to this guy. Now, this was 2012, 13, where the FBI in this local area just did not have what they needed. Um, And so uh, I went to this guy's house and within 10 minutes we had a confession. And I ended up almost tearing up with this guy and crying with him wow. um, just because I felt what he was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so empathy goes a really, really, really long ways. Well, that's how I remember reading in a book and a pastor was uh,
0: talking about showing mercy to people, those that are weeping with those that weep. And, yes. And yeah. And he was talking to, he said a pastor came to one time and said, hey, I'm really struggling with this person that I'm meeting with this woman that is having a problem forgiving somebody. And I keep trying to tell her what she needs to do and the Bible verses for it, and I'm just she, I'm just having a real struggle. And so he's going to this other pastor for advice. And the pastor asked him, "Well, how does that make you feel?" Her story, and the the pastor said, well, I, "I feel like she needs to do this and that." And he goes, no, "No, no, no, I didn't ask you that." I said, "How does that make you feel?" You feel right. How are you empathizing with her? Well, the pastor went back to her, was empathetic and. It, it was life changing. Yeah. Having somebody be empathetic with her was a catalyst to her to be able to forgive this person that hurt her. So that's very powerful empathy. As a police officer, I know that you worked with the child advocates of Fort Ben and you even did a little bit of time combating human trafficking. I mean, how did that happen? I mean, is that, uh, is that something you sign up for? Is that something that just kind
1: of <laughs> fell in your lap? I mean, <laughs> I became a, I was the youngest detective at the police department at the time to ever get promoted to that position. They called me the black horse. It was it was just a divine moment. I didn't feel like I did well on the test, but I think I was like maybe 28 at the time. I don't know what 28-year-old knows anything. <laughs> um sorry if you're 28 and you don't know nothing. <laughs> it's just better to admit it. Yeah. Uh you get two choices kind of at the beginning people or property of course i chose people and the particular person who was doing the people so there was four four detectives only one person in the police department was doing crimes against children and i got to train underneath her so that was her expertise and so at the time i was really struggling with pornography and um we had like five or six child abuse cases and sometimes it's the, the children abusing other children or it's adults abusing children, but pornography is always involved. And I just was drawn to that because I kind of wanted to help, even though I was needing help. So uh, I got a lot of specialized training. I went to every school I could. Fort Bend County was just getting their Crimes Against Children unit. There actually wasn't an anti-trafficking uh, unit in all of Fort Bend County. And when they built the Child Advocacy Center in Fort Bend County out in Rosenberg, there was no law enforcement in it. Um, and so I was actually uh, the very first law enforcement officer housed at the Fort Bend County Child Advocacy Center. and It was a big honor. It was a big whoop de doo um, I just was glad because I wanted to be in the middle of all the action. And so if, uh, if, if another agency in Fort Bend County had a child abuse case that they couldn't have an officer to go out there for the interview I stood in in their place, so I was hearing all sorts of of cases, and so from from there, it just kind of developed from crimes against people to when they said this is, these cases are very intricate, and you, I can't be doing anything else because I was doing family violence and other stuff. At the end of it, I just solely was doing crimes against children for the most part. Wow! wow. Now, now, how did that change happen in you? You know, you you. you
0: just mentioned a a minute ago kind of their own struggle with that I mean how did that was that experience
1: changing in itself for you what got me out of the unit was my addiction got worse Mm. and I felt very hypocritical because every person around me was struggling with some sort of sex crime and I was struggling with sexual pornography i was also a youth pastor mm. at the time what
0: a tough environment to be in
1: yeah it was it was, i mean it was definitely the lowest of lows i mean you can only be a hypocrite so much before your self-worth mm. is just an agonizing thought just to get up and the only way that i was able to move past me was to help other people so my career started changing when i couldn't i wasn't taking care of me i wasn't taking care of my family i was just living for everybody but and uh
2: i love how you said living for everybody but you know
0: and what i what i love about your story is the authenticity and transparency about your story because so many people it's hard for them to even be honest with themselves mm. about those struggles
2: right right
0: much
1: less with someone else I'm glad you said that because I think that was this answer I was looking for. Um, I've gave my story before, but I got really lost there in that moment. Um, I did not know I was an addict. Mm. If you would have said, hey, man, you need to go to AA or SA or whatever, I'd have been like, for what? Like, I'm just looking at a lot of pornography, you know, not necessarily hurting anybody, even though eventually I did. Uh, you know, hurt my wife and my family.
2: Well, and it's such a, if I could just say this for a second. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Like, it's such a, like, closeted addiction where you can't tell who is suffering from it. Because, I mean, it's men and women, you know, as well. Crosses, like, every every socioeconomic demographic. And you don't know, you know, who is really, really suffering um and so i find that to take those steps of bringing what is in the dark to light and being able to share that in a way that reveals what freedom there is in a couple of things like in community mm-hmm. in truth Like you were talking about how we just want the truth when lots of times, I mean, at least for me, I always talk about my feelings. Well, this is how I feel and this is how I feel where, I mean, at some point you just have got to stick to the truth, you know? And so I just want to like, thank you for sharing everything that you've shared because there's, you know, generations Mm -hmm. of men and fathers and mothers who need so much healing so thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, I mean, I was, you know, abused when I was a kid. So, um, I mean, I think that uh, the stats are are crazy when you ask, when you look at the stats and really look at
1: the percentage of people that that's happened to, it's unbelievable. And, you know, we, we have two. We have an HPD officer and we have a Harris County Child Advocacy interviewer and the HPD officer is the unit that I was in in Fort Bend County, so they know each other. And they said during 2020, during the, the lockdowns, that it was the worst time that they had ever seen. Like they actually yeah. put the child advocacy interviewers uh, on 12-hour shifts. Oof! Wow, there was that many kids being abused. You you think yeah. you're unemployed? You're you're. At home, you're with nieces, nephews, mm-hmm. cousins, people that you're not normally around all the time. You don't have a lot of money. Yeah. It's a perfect you, you know, atmosphere it's for just, predators. It's, it's a good combo. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, it's interesting the, the opportunity that you have with, with these men that you just talked about. And if you relate that to fitness, people are vulnerable in fitness, you know. But the only way to get to truly change is to get to that acceptance of where you're at you know
1: that's i guess that's a good way to circle back to this yeah Yeah. you know
0: is is once you've accepted where you're at then you know okay let's start making the steps to go where we want to go but
1: but you do have to go there you've got to accept
0: this is where i'm at and this is what i need to
1: do Mm -hmm. fitness is we use fitness just as the gateway to health there's multiple ways to get healthy and my personal belief is is that if you just eat super clean and get plenty of sunlight and have good community, you're going to be a pretty healthy individual. You don't actually need Cross fitness fit. <laughs> or what I do to to be healthy. But if you want to be fit, if you want to be the best version of yourself, then you have to you have to work out. So. Now my ministry is I, I use fitness as a way. So now we're dealing with the usually outward body, but I'm really after the inward. You know, mm-hmm. when I created T3, it was the original name was T3 Fitness Gym, and the the T3 stood for training to the third power, training the body, mind, and spirit. But as I created the the fitness gym. I was just coming out of some of my struggles and addictions and confessions and had finished some steps. And so I was still hesitant in bringing the, my spiritual world into the gym because mm-hmm. there was a lot of hypocrisy, feelings, inside of, and guilt and shame associated with my past. So I was extremely ambiguous with my Christianity. You know, people knew that I was, Probably a church guy because maybe my lack of language or the way that I dealt with people. But, like, I wasn't, you know, being really over the top or ministering to people in, in the name of Christ there at the gym. Um, but he's patient and mm-hmm. very kind, and he's long-suffering. Like, when I think about his patience, for, you know, for me, it just makes me want to be even more for him. Mm-hmm. That's um, and it's, it's not... Yes, I, I, and I've, I've looked at the cross a zillion times, like a zillion times. But I think what he's doing for me now, again and again and again and again, he would do it again right. and again and again. And that actually empowers me because somebody's doing it for me. That makes me want to do it for myself and go do it for somebody else. Yeah. yeah, So as long as I just stay humble, yielded, wave that white flag. See, we weren't taught that in my church. For a man to to be a man is is down on his knees surrendering yeah. everything yeah. before right. God. You know, we were taught to be warriors, be tough, be, you know, all this. That was the type of church I came from. So this whole yielding and being a suffering servant, even though I read it, we live in America and we're, we're patriots and where's my gun and my, my sword and I, you know, I'm going mm-hmm. to fight. And uh, that's, that was my Christianity, but it took sin it's not the way God intends to break us he wants to break us himself by just looking at what he did for us that alone should break us but we sometimes have to break ourselves and that's when I learned the best place I need to be is just right here in this brokenness mm, how can yeah. I remain broke and mm-hmm. whole Ooh, yeah
2: yeah,
0: yeah that's powerful yeah so when you decided with your the the t3 faith family fitness why did you decide those three
1: you know, Faith, Family, Fitness, what is it about that combination? It was time to come out of the shadows and actually put something Christianese <laughs> in, <laughs> in my logo or motto or something to say we are a spiritual-centered place. Um, you know, Fort Bend County is the most diverse county, I guess they say, in yes. almost all of the United States. My gym is everything, you name it, we have it from ethnicity, culture, religion, and so I am careful in how I run my classes, what I say, what I post. I'm not shy about it, but I am wanting all walks of life to come and participate. And when we've prayed before a class or something, and um, you know, I I pray in Jesus' name, and we've had other people pray in, in other names. Um, because we do want to tell people that, yes, we're a fitness place, but you're never going to be whole if you're just fit. So, um, the tethering of bringing our faith into our fitness, there's a lot of gyms that they're Christian gyms, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like churches for the church Mm -hmm. and the gym is for the gym. And now you've got these places doing these Christian gyms and I get it. They want to make people feel safe. They want to make because a lot of gyms are known to be meat lockers. And so if you know that everybody or most people in your gym is a Christian or you're playing the Christian music and there's Bibles verses everywhere, well, now you've created your own church. Right. Right. And that's not what I want. Um, I want a place where everybody can come in and play and have fun and they're included, whether they're faith or not, Mm because there's atheists and agnostic that, that go to, you know, to the gym, but I don't treat that person one yeah. bit different than the guy in my men's group or the guy that sits across from the pew from me, and I think they see that, mm-hmm. that there's no difference. I'm, I'm hard on you. I'm, I'm yelling at you. I spend just as much time on you, even though you and I would disagree on every political conversation that we would have, we'd probably yell and scream at each other, but we're in the gym mm-hmm. that changes. yeah. And so even though we are a people of faith, they're in that moment. It's just about you. And it's just about me and my faith drives me. And I just want them to understand at some point, they're going to have to reach not only in, but out because everybody has to have a higher power, one way or another, they're going to have to have some sort of higher power. And at our at our gym, when you are truly living and following and carrying your cross, you don't have to say Jesus. You don't have to That's preach right. it. Your actions mm-hmm. preach they see it. They see it. Yeah. And one of the there's this little saying. I'm probably going to mess it up. Because he was from a, a pastor friend of mine. He would say. When I'm ministering the gospel, if I have to say Jesus, I'm probably not living it there in that moment. Mm. And so I think if you polled all of my clients, even those that I never said one spiritual thing to, and you said, tell me something about Sonny, they would tell you, "He's he's a Christian. Not that he's just a good guy. I want to be known as a good guy because when I associate goodness with somebody, that's trust. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't trust somebody as bad, you know, but I'm loyal to my word. I'm faithful. I I care about you and your goals as much as you care about you and your goals. And they know that's not from me because Sonny's a bad person because I will often tell people I struggle, I sin, and it's only because. So I'm always saying my testimony in little bits and pieces Mm -hmm. and gold nuggets. So I know that's kind of what this podcast is a, a, a little bit about is how do we have a secular business, mm-hmm. but we are strongly faith and mm-hmm. goal or orient, God oriented, mm-hmm. and it's it's in the little bitty conversations, yeah. one little person at a time.
2: Yeah, it's all relational.
0: It's yeah. every it's
1: bit all, of it. It's all relational. Is relational. Everything
0: is relational. It's funny how in a gym. Again, you could, it could be a, a place of pretension and, and a place of just everybody's got to be a certain way. But if you, how you've created that environment of acceptance, authenticity, transparency, that people gravitate towards that, you know, and sometimes you feel like, does the church really look like, <laughs> like that? You know, it's, I mean, we, mm-hmm. we show up to church sometimes like we're supposed to be this person, right? um and and we're all kind of looking for a, a T3 experience. Mm-hmm. Well, know?
2: and honestly like that's why people leave the church because they haven't been pastored well. They haven't had a relationship built from <laughs> from what the gospel is saying when it comes to you know taking care of the widow mm-hmm. or the orphan or the you know or or the poor like all of the pieces where it's like you need to be doing that in community but then you're not seeing your community really do it and not only are they not doing it they're just really arguing about it you know (laughs) they're just really arguing about it and so they're like why should i be here i'll just go over here with like some folks and we can do it the way that we want to do it you know why do i need the church and then they end up at CrossFit,
0: hmm. <laughs> they end up at <laughs> which, so.
2: and it's the perfect place. Like your place is the perfect place, you know, because it brings people to a place of relationship that may have missed out on the relationships that they really, really needed. You oh, no. know? I
0: mean, I was, you know, just started up. You know, I, I are you feeling? I, by the I, way, what's that? How you feeling? Not quite as sore, but I was hurting, hurting pretty bad. One class. Is that or why to, you're holding
2: the microphone? You know, is uh, that why you're like my yeah, arm am, is you know, I, I tell
0: you, I I you know, I used to be a, a pro bodybuilder and uh but I'm just kidding. No, but, but I you know, so I started back up with uh doing some CrossFit actually at Sunday's gym and I was in his class on this past week and you know, I show up there within like a couple of minutes, he's shown everybody how to do these this exercise. He said, listen, in a couple of weeks in the competition, you know, you're not going to be able to do it this way. And I'm just thinking, did he just say competition? Like, am I in the right class? Like these people are training for a competition. What am I doing here? Yeah. And and it was kind of like, and, and I was real sore because, you know, I'd worked out the a couple of previous days. So I was real sore. So I I, I didn't feel like I was trying to push myself, but I couldn't do a whole, a whole lot. And so I just was like, do I just try to do more than I can do because I don't want to look like I can't do much <laughs> but I what I'm trying to say is like I really had to be just me like I had to be like this is where I'm at can't try to pretend and I'm going to have to be okay with it and and that's you see everybody in the, so you're in this little group yeah. in this class where everybody's kind of in that position and there's like a community yeah even in that short moment it's it's you know you it's,
2: get it's, super humble super fast
0: yeah. yeah when you
2: see those you know Sixty-year-old woman, you know, ladies doing like pull-ups next to you, and I'm like, I just need the band.
1: Yeah. Now, now, for- when you when you were in that moment, and you chose, because I I remember the choice you made. Did you feel judged or less no, than no. because you chose not to do any weights, no. but you chose to do body weight at that point? No, didn't. Perfect. That that's the story mm. yeah. that I drive for, mm-hmm. and. I tell people, I'm not a beginner gym, you're going to hurt, Mm -hmm. but it's a welcoming gym. And if if you remember that day, there were some people holding the weights over their head, Mm -hmm. there were other people holding them on their shoulders, there were other people holding Mm them, you know, by their side, and there are other people not doing weights at all. So Mm -hmm. you had four or five different levels right there, all in the same class. And in that class, that particular day, there were uh, morbidly obese people, there were people that never played a sport, and there were almost pro college athletes in that class, just doing their own thing because at the end Mm -hmm. of the day it's just you you. versus you. Right. And everybody taking their own personal step. Yeah. Towards that. Now I just want you to let you know that I would not have let you quit. So you made a good choice by just doing (laughs) Yeah. And so um so tell me a little bit about
0: you have any stories that you can share from the gym? Just about how, you know, people came in and they're looking for the external transformation, but in that process, they found something deeper. And I'm not necessarily saying that, Hey, this person became a Christian, you know, but just how that external actually, there was an internal change that that happened.
1: I really wish that I had somebody that just popped in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I I must've missed that in here because two or three people come to my mind that I would like to talk about. Mm-hmm. I, but I would kind of like to talk to them first. Oh yeah, you don't need to. Yeah, Because I would know. love to be able to say their names. Yeah. And kind of what happened. I'll say this. Um, so we have a mission statement. That's we want you to live a long pain and prescription free life. Mm. Mm. And so when people, the average person that comes into the gym is just your average, usually mom and dad, uh, night. Some of them had some past glory days playing some sort of high school or college sport, um, but they've gotten out of shape, came some sort of couch potato, you know, got married, got kids. Life is happening a thousand miles an hour. And usually something happens in their life where they're at the doctor's office, doctors giving them, you, you, you're a diabetic, you know, you got stage one cancer. What I, I can tell you the story of my father in law who um, had stage four cancer and um, he had some surgery. And he's now uh, at our gym being trained by his daughter, Wow, my wife. Wow. And I would have, I mean, he's been a large man for the 22 years that I've known him. And Cheryl has said he's been a large man ever since I've known him at 11. And he's also like 30 some pounds. Um, his daughter's teaching him. His wife is now coming in. There are hundreds of those stories. Um, I will share this one. So we had been open for maybe about a year, and um, a friend of mine came in and said, I'll just use first name, hey, have you heard from Greg today? And I'm like, no, and class was getting ready to start. He goes, well, he's supposed to be here. He's on the, I texted him this morning and said, hey, are you coming in? And he goes, I got a very depressing text from him. Well, I read the text, and I said, no, 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 And I called 911 right then and there. I, I could read in between the lines. And so we sent units down to this guy's house and kicked in the door and he was in the middle of killing himself wow. wow! and we physically saved his life after he was done with the police we brought him to the gym and I worked the hell out of him mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. worked the hell out of him and uh, he was my top member mm-hmm. he became a coach um, started boxing, kickboxing, teaching other people. He ended up moving away to Colorado for a long time. But there's a few stories like that wow. of uh, where God just used the gym and us tr- in, a, in a tremendous way, again, using my law enforcement background. But, again, just fitness is the key, and my goal has always been I want to keep fitness fun because the minute that it's not fun, mm-hmm you lose a little bit of interest in it Mm -hmm. unless it's like the child who starts gymnastics level one level two level three it's all fun and then all of a sudden there's no more fun and we're all serious and you're going to the olympics right (laughs) the same thing happens with adults they lose 10 or 15 pounds it's kind of fun it's new six months in they're like this is stupid (laughs) we don't change much as adults (laughs) and i'm 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 very happy to say that as of September this year I will have a client for seven years wow that's incredible that's awesome
2: Sunny have you noticed um since the COVID thing has more people joined I mean do you see a lot of people like okay this is boring being at home or I'm gaining weight being at home because there's nothing to do I'm not usually not doing my normal activity have have you seen an increase in folks coming
1: yes we've had an uptick um I think what my analysis would be after basically six, seven months of some shutdowns and then the holidays came and people didn't get together. So they, they gained their 5, 10, 15 COVID pounds and they gained another 5, 10 pounds over the holiday. Then there's this new year and, you know, the, the, the promise of the vaccination coming out and more and more people are just finally saying I've had enough. Like today, if I make no mistake, is the first day of the lockdowns a year ago. I think oh, yeah. oh, my wow. Gosh. Wow. this is when they did like the 25% wow. or something like that. But I, I saw it on uh, Facebook on the way they put gyms at the very, very top of the list. So that bars were number one. And then somehow or another gyms got to be number two. It's, it's where you're going to catch it. And I don't, we just moved our training outside mm. and said, we're not sharing equipment. And so if, if if you get on this bike and you pick up this dumbbell and you pick up this barbell, it's yours for the class. And we'll clean it. We'll disinfect it. I'll, I can put you in a corner. I can put you, you know, outside or whatever. I think there's there's still a, the majority of people haven't come out yet. They're, they're still, uh, I'll just use the word, fear of getting sick, okay. you know, or getting it. Um, we had a 40 percent. Uh, loss last year we lost Ooh. 40% of our members wow so that was huge we've added about 20% back and the percent the people that we have now are are, are a younger crowd they you're, don't think they're gonna get COVID yeah, yeah it, they're not going to yeah. get or if they do get it they'll be able to fight it off so but the people mm. that I started the gym for the the morbidly obese, the older, the, the the underdog, those people are still gone. They're still afraid. They're still away. So, cuz we run different level classes. Mm-hmm. And so I have a boot camp for beginners. It's dwindled down to like 10, 12 people. The people who actually need to be working out the most are still at home, mm. a little afraid. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm 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 I only get political in front of an individual. I don't get political on Facebook or social media or anything where it can be taken out of context where you can't see or feel my heart and I can't see or feel your heart. Yeah, Because there's just so much animosity and anger and misunderstood. That's good advice. So um, it's not something I would get on here. But at the end of the day, you're not going to get better because you're social distancing and wearing a mask, that's not going to make you healthier. There's not but one thing that's going to make you healthier, and that's you moving, right. that's you right. sweating. Um, never in the history of the world have they ever said that a healthy person can be sick and not know it. And so that's been my, my biggest argument. Whatever you did two years ago to get healthy is what you still need to do right. today right. and what you'll need to do the rest of your life, which is move and sweat.
2: Have you done Are um, you've moved into any online platforms like offering online classes for people like you can do this at home and they buy a membership and they have online.
1: Yes, opportunities. We have that. We're actually running a challenge right now. Um, so one of the advantages to having a franchise is corporate running some things for you. And so there is an online app um, and program that you can be a part of. Of course, it's very hard to go from group fitness where you have a coach and a bunch of your your friends and family around you. But if we're going to do the zero excuses, then if you are at home uh, or you can't join a gym, you don't want to join a gym right now, it's harder. It's not going to be as easy, but we're just asking for 20 minutes a day. We just want 20 minutes of you moving. I'll be more than happy to sit down and write you programs. You can stay inside. I'll stand outside in in your yard. I'll show you what to do. So... It's not as much as I would like because my my center or my attention is still at the gym, but uh, yes, we're we're doing some virtual things.
0: Yeah, you know a lot of people listening right now maybe they're in the car, they're at home, and you know maybe they're they're kind of wondering, hey, I'd like to make a, a step you know towards uh, getting healthier. I mean, what are some of the the mistakes that you see people make in reference to getting healthier or maybe personal fitness. This is what maybe you hear a lot, but
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this. So I don't know exactly what the the new year resolution crowd statistics look like, but I think the last time I looked them up was over, it was either 70 to 75% of people had dropped their new year resolution by the sixth week. So we just passed that like maybe a week or two ago, because we're about like, seven weeks into <clears throat> the new year. It's never about a choice you make. It's about the choices that you make. Mm. It's, we, can, we can draw lines in the sand all day long, and most likely you're going to draw multiple lines in the sand. Mm. So the biggest mistake is just probably the common one that we're all familiar with, is just trying to make too much of a change for too hard or for, for too long. And everybody loses a pound the same way. I don't care. There's 8 billion people on the earth. Every person loses a pound the exact same way. It's one pound at a time. Nobody can lose two pounds at one time. It's always just one. And so if you're a person that you have got some issues, like you're, you're, you're overweight, you know, and you're a, you're, a, you're a little embarrassed, sometimes it's just one. Usually there's one thing, In your life that you know, if you could just change this one thing, there would probably be this domino effect. And like right now, if you're thinking maybe it's a food, maybe it's soda, maybe it's a relationship, but it's just one thing that you know is keeping you down, then I would say direct all of your attention to that one thing. Cause I can tackle one thing and I can't tackle two people at the same time, but I can tackle one person. Mm. So if you are a soda drinker, we need to figure out how to start consuming less soda. Um, The mistakes that people make at my gym, this is what they do come in and they say I'm overweight. Um, I'm like, yeah, it's obvious. Uh, I'm going to use fitness as a way to lose my, I'm going to come in your gym every day and I'm just going to kill myself every time I come in here. I'm going to let you just smoke me. So they come in, they burn five, six, seven, eight hundred 800 calories and they get home and they're like, man, I burned a lot. I'm going to reward myself. I can't get that pizza. <laughs> now I can have this. So what they do is they substitute fitness to eat worse. That happens like fifty percent of my clients say wow three to four five six months they'll they'll lose some water weight they'll lose 5 ten 15 20 pounds and then nothing happens and they'll they'll be very faithful members coming to the gym but what's actually happened is the more they work out the more they actually eat and we tell people when you work out you should eat more but you should eat more protein you know no you do not deserve the donut." Yes, you did really good. You came in here, you kicked your butt for forty-five minutes of that hour. But what you deserve is a filet mignon. That's what you deserve. Go spend that extra money on that protein. So, at least in in my my perspective, using fitness as a crutch, I'm gonna you know I burn seven thousand calories at the gym today, but then or you know <laughs> this week, but then they go and eat yeah. more than that. Fitness doesn't necessarily make you healthier. It makes you fit. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference. between What makes you healthy is what you eat and drink. Mm-hmm. That's what actually makes you healthy. In the gym, you actually don't make any muscle at all. Zero. All we do in the gym is break muscle mm-hmm. down. Right. How you recover what you eat, sleep, and drink, that's actually what builds the muscle down. So the biggest mistake is thinking I'm just going to start a physical fitness regiment and that's it. Yeah. So the diet's really important. You know, I mean, it's 70, 80% yeah. of who yeah. we are. Yeah. And that's why we do offer nutritional programming, nutritional coaching, a health and wellness program. I've taken people shopping. I've went to their house. I've gone through their cabinets. I've been as a, uh, intricately involved in their life as they want some people just need a little bit of accountability hey is this okay is this not okay what should i substitute for this other people like hey man can you hold my hand you know Mm -hmm. can you come over i've taken groups of people shopping where we just walk up and down you know the aisles of the grocery store saying buy this don't buy that Um, it all begins and ends with what you put in because what you put in is what comes out Mm -hmm. do you you think that there's
0: it's probably not just one thing, but have you seen something in common of reasons why people don't start that process? I mean, is it just the wrong perception of what they think about fitness or what they think about uh, just misinformation or I guess there probably is a, a multiple things going on in different people's lives, but is there, what
1: are barriers that that people have? I am very bold in this answer and this isn't meant to offend anyone. But being lazy Mm -hmm. is a sin that we overlook. Our pastor talked about being a sloth Sloth. last week. We live in a very fast-paced, instant gratification microwave world. I sympathize with you. I empathize with you. You are to a degree of a victim due to your circumstances. I go to the grocery store. I see when you're putting your fruit and your vegetables on the On the tray and you turn around and then there's candy bars and there's sodas and then there's the magazine of the skinny little lady with abs and it's just like, who's controlling, who's doing this? Now you're going to get me on a soapbox. Ooh, come on. (laughs) When the convenience to just go down the street... Hand somebody a credit card, grab that taco, grab that yeah. burger, whatever it is, is so easy and so cheap. If you are living your life without intention, you are automatically defaulting to be unhealthy. That's the world Ooh, that in America yeah. that we live in. Well, Especially in Houston, Texas, Fort Bend County, where food is everywhere. I mean, when people ask me why do why do you live here? I'm like, I just live here because of food. I right. can have any genre of food yeah. that I want anytime. I can even have, get on my phone and they'll, they'll come bring it to me. Right. So the right. world that we live in makes it super easy to be unhealthy and lazy and not even know it. I mean, cooking yeah. takes time. Preparing takes time. So the main thing that I see is you just not being intentional and taking a hold of your life. Yes, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to hear all the excuses that you have. And I get it because I fight those things every single day myself when I'm running on time, when I'm looking at my bank account, when maybe I did binge on my Netflix the (laughs) night before and I didn't food prep. And I'm like, it's just two crunchy, hard tacos. (laughs) I mean, how bad? I won't uh, won't get a soda. I won't get an appetite. I'm just going to have two crunchy, hard tacos. But I know where that's going to lead me. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have just found that fasting is my answer. Mm. Um, when i want to go eat instead of steering just a little bit off the path i'll go in a harder direction and i'd love to at some point talk about maybe not today but at another time the hardening of the mind and how it hardens the body mm. and you're way capable of way more than what you can even begin and think and imagine it's a mindset it's yeah. a mindset yeah you make
0: some about you know fasting you know again maybe that's another
1: podcast as well but our, you know
0: there's a theology of the body, you know, and our, our body is a temple of God and God has given us his body to be stewards of it. And so there is this idea of a spiritual connection with how we take care of ourselves and take care you know, of our bodies. And, and so I think that fasting, you know, obviously got, you know, we are called to fast, but then you look in the fitness, health and fitness that fasting has a lot of positive results when people do that. So maybe that's another conversation, you know, as well, but it's been an amazing conversation that we've had uh, today. I think that as we kind of started off again, we talked about that that we were going to be talking about change, and I think as we just organically went through this conversation, I think we did see pieces of change. I mean, one of the things I I'll probably walk away from this conversation is the power of empathy mm-hmm. and how be, the empathy with a specific individual how that helps you know create change. Being honest with ourselves, uh, you know where we're at. And the importance of having people in your life, you know, and how important that is to have that and uh, being willing to, to to take that next that next step. And so, again, people watching or listening right now, if they're interested in finding out more about your gym, T3, cross training, snap fitness, you know, how could they find out more information about your gym? Is there any uh, any promotions or anything that you're offering
1: right now that, that people might be interested in? uh well i'll just say strategically where we're located uh in the area so we're on highway six in missouri city very close to elkins high school okay uh a, high, a, a highway six point that most people know is christian automotive brothers so we're just south of uh like quail valley and lake olympia and just north of like sienna plantation so we're right off of highway six you know t uh, 3 crosstrainingcom gives people a free week Of of training you can come in and try as many classes that you want but one of the things I was thinking maybe we could do for your listeners today is put a uh, 30 minute personal training consultation together for them so they could come in talk to a personal training all of the personal trainers that we hire to have nutritional certifications as well so if they want to talk to about their food um, most of most of our guys I've handpicked actually all of our guys are are handpicked and um there's hardly anything out of their palate that they can't kind of help you with um so uh, i'd like to give them that 30 minutes for free where they can just come up talk to a trainer about anything health and fitness related whether it's nutrition whether it's working out maybe they've got some injuries we have a physical therapist there Um, my wife is up there Uh, so we have some female trainers So I I think I'd like to give that to them. Okay, so yeah, that's amazing. So they just come in and just say, "Hey, you uh, find
0: out about the gym from the podcast Tether." Yeah, just mention you or this
1: this podcast. You know, Tether, and I'm going to just go ahead and send an email out to all of my trainers saying, if anybody comes in saying, "Hey, they heard about this from Bill," then they'll do that because that consultation is normally a hundred dollars. Okay. Because it's pretty intricate. There's a there's a fitness test. We'll weigh them, do all their body metrics, know their body fat, things like that. Give them a really good assessment of who they are and kind of how to their first steps yeah. out of that, whether it's more PT or a class or some nutritional classes.
0: That's great. Well, thank you very, very much. And everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. And Sonny, again, thank you so much for, for joining us. And everybody take care and God bless. Be sure to uh, hit the subscribe button so you can get all the latest content from Tethered. And again, everybody have a great day. Take care and God bless.